Stuff up Saturday, breaking cycles, we rebels. Stuff up Saturday, uplift with love. Stuff up Saturday, breaking cycles, we rebels. Hey everybody, welcome to Self Love Saturday, where loving yourself is an act of rebellion. This is your host, Dr. Anissa Shomo, family medicine uh, physician here in Cincinnati. And today I have a special guest, Siobhan Dupree. Siobhan, tell everybody about yourself. Hey, well, hello everyone. Thank you for having me, Anissa. My name is Siobhan Dupree. I'm a licensed social worker with the state of Ohio. Um, I'm also a therapist and I also work um, in behavioral health at a hospital. Awesome. So, you know, we have a lot in common being um, providers of healthcare and mental health services. As a, a lot of people don't realize as family doctors, we do a lot of mental health. They say that a third of family medicine is mental health, helping people with anxiety, depression, insomnia, all those sorts of things that impact their you know, total health as family doctors. That's what we do. We take care of mind, body, and all ages and all that sort of thing. Um, so we definitely you know, relate in a lot of ways in that way. Um, but one of the biggest ways that we relate is we're from, we graduated from the same high school, um, graduated from Shaw High School in East Cleveland, and we graduated back in 2002. So it's been 20 years. Yeah. And this is our, you know, 20 year reunion. And it was great catching up with you and all of our friends this year. I will say that it's definitely been an interesting 20 years since we graduated high school of just trying to navigate our career, our family, and just all sides of stuff. America, you know, dealing with our larger society, uh, our patients, and just professionalism. So I wanted to talk to you today about just how our friend group has really been a really big support system in that, that past 20 years. Um, so I will say that I met you and everybody um, junior year, <clears throat> sorry. So I met you and everybody junior year because I transferred to Shaw High School from Cleveland Heights, Heights High. Um, and it was definitely a much better experience at Shaw High School, definitely had a lot more support from our teachers. Um, but just being able to have such an amazing, I'm sorry, how can yeah. you hear that plane? <laughs> I, live, I live right next door to the regional airport in Cincinnati, so sometimes when little planes fly by and they're really loud. So. <laughs> it's okay, so it's the structure behind me. So. <laughs> I don't know what is what it feels like it's just flying right over my house. <laughs> the rubber by a plane. <laughs> it was so for sure. <laughs> right, I, guess, I think it uh, left from circling my house, but okay. all right. So one of the things I loved when I came to Shaw High School junior year was it was like an HBCU experience. And I will say that I feel like that's one of the biggest things that helped build my confidence to know that I could become a physician, know coming from where we come from, you know, we don't have a lot of examples of that. And I felt, I felt like it was just a really great experience of having everybody build you up, having teachers build you up, having friends build you up and having people like you. Like we had a group of black girl nerds as friends and that definitely was not my experience at Cleveland Heights High School. And that's definitely not like my husband's experience in rural Ohio. Um, so I'm always just really grateful for the friends that we, the friendships that we created. And even 10, 20 years later, we're all still really good friends. And it's really amazing and really rare. So that's why I wanted to talk to you today about just what our friendship has meant to, to me and to you. Um, I've had Rochelle and I've had Shauna on the show. I'm, I'm planning to have Khadija Grant on here as well. So I really love, you know, bringing Shaw High School alumni on the podcast and just want to talk today about like 
what that friendship has meant to us over the past 20 years. Uh, the friendships that I made at Shaw High School were amazing. And I felt like it was a high school. Uh, we were in the inner city on the outskirts of Cleveland. Um, but I felt like our teachers were really supportive. And that wasn't the experience for a lot of kids. And we had really good and solid friendships. And it was okay, like you said, to be Black girl nerds and to be in honors classes. And we weren't like bullied or anything like that. Well, we will we have always been advocates, so we just stood up for ourselves. But like, it was okay to be in honors classes. It was okay to do your work. It was okay to get admitted to Ivy League schools. It was okay for that. Right. And we were just so supportive throughout the process. And we still are. And it's just, people don't have friendships like that. And whether it's um, just us sharing a meme or something on Twitter, or, you know, a lot of us have had like serious health scares, you right. know? Um, and it's just. And even losing so, parents, you know, a lot, yeah. some of our people in our friend group have lost parents or they've been yeah. ill. Um, like my dad, you know, had a lot of health problems this year. And so we definitely have been are really, really great at supporting each other through just tragedies and even just minor things like drama at work and just all types of stuff. So really appreciate having you all as my friends. And I really appreciated the experience at Shaw High School because it just all, it just brought us all together. You know, it was just a great place. <laughs> it just brought us all together. Um, and it just was, like I said, I always compare it to HBCU because that's similar to how they are. Like a lot of people think that being a black person is a monolith and it's like no like there's different like black people are have different experiences just like white people they just there's just this added layer of having to navigate slavery and racism but there are black people who do every single thing that white people do you know Absolutely. and so and so you know being at Shaw High School really helped me have that kind of experience and be a lot more confident in being a black girl nerd you know and there were black men nerds as well we had black men in our classes as well and it was just a really an amazing time as a teenager to be able to develop that kind of confidence for free because I would have loved to go to HBCU and continue that kind of experience like I got um I had like a half tuition scholarship to Spelman and I thought about going to Bennett because I for some reason I wanted to go to a, a woman HBCU so I, I got accepted and I got some money, but Ohio State gave me more money, you know, um, and I won't say that I had a bad experience at Ohio State. Like I actually had a great experience. Everybody knows how much I love Ohio State and how I go really hard for it because it gave me an opportunity to have a free education. And then and then it gave me an opportunity to be trained to become a physician. Um, so I am forever grateful to Ohio State for that. But I know it, it wouldn't have been the same as going to HBCU, you know, <laughs> Because I know like what it meant to to be at Shaw High School and be at an all black high school where your friends were supportive and your teachers were supportive. Uh, for the most part, obviously we experienced teachers, microaggressions from our teachers as well for people who we didn't click with even at Shaw. So, but definitely a lot less. It was definitely a lot less traumatizing for me than Heights High was. High, Heights High was, I had a very traumatizing educational experience at Heights. I'm sorry that you went through that, but I'm also glad you got shot on the back end. So, yes. you know, <laughs> it helped me appreciate it more. Like I appreciated it so much more having that experience at, cause that's the thing you don't, you know, you, you go through different things in life and you don't really know why. Um, so I, even though it was kind of, you know, I, I'm not a fan of how I was treated while I was at high tie. I'm happy that not, I'm going to say I'm happy it, that pain 
helped me actually really appreciate um, and grow and mature and be able to receive the type of love at Shaw. Because I'm sure there's plenty of people who went to Shaw who were just like, you know, this is a black school and it's inferior and that sort of thing. But I never felt that way. Like, <laughs> and it's funny because I didn't like I. I was tired of changing schools. I've been in so many schools in my life and I experienced, had so many different educational experiences. And I was, I didn't really want to go to Shaw because I was like, can I just go back? I, I had come from Heights when I had um, left Shaker to go to Heights because my parents got divorced. And so I was like, can we just move back to Shaker and I can just go to Shaker, you know, because I'm tired of changing schools. And so then my stepmother, um, Karen McIntosh, um, she was like, no, you should go to Shaw. You'll have a really good experience. And I'm so glad because she graduated from Shaw, you know? So I'm so glad that she came into our lives as our bonus mom and just was like, you're going to be okay. Because she was like, just give it a chance. You'll see, you know, <laughs> because I actually had a scholarship to go to, um, Hathaway Brown, which is an all girl, uh, private school. And I'm, you know, had I had a bad experience at Shaw, I might've pursued it. Um, but I went to Shaw and just had a really, really good time. Like we had so much fun. We learned so much. It was just, and then they took us on trips all the time to visit colleges. Like literally the reason why I ended up at Ohio State was because of Shaw High School, because they took us on a trip to Ohio State. I had never had Ohio State on my radar. And then they took us on a, uh, you know, a trip, Miss Norris, you know, you know, Miss Norris yeah. used to always take us on trips um, to see different places. And so she took us on a trip to see Ohio State. And that's how I ended up meeting Sharia Dow. Um, and just kind of, I had wanted to go to a liberal, a small liberal arts school, like um, Denison, Denison University is where I planned to go because they took us to Denison and I like Denison. <laughs> <laughs> But Ohio State stole my heart. You know, they stole my heart with just the campus and just how, you know, chill it was and and the money. Yeah, <laughs> how welcoming they were. Um, shout out to Miss Norris, though, because every school we wanted to apply for, they gave, she gave us vouchers to apply for. Yes. So um, if she knew we had a good shot of getting in, she would, you know, give us the vouchers to apply for yes. a lot of different schools. And the camaraderie, I don't know, you know, people don't understand the camaraderie about Shaw, yeah. but I remember, I think this was like 2009, and I'm going full circle with this. I was dating a guy, he was a branch manager at Enterprise, but he wasn't from here, he had got transferred in. So he was like, um, he's like, so what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, it's Shaw High weekend. He's like, what? You know? <laughs> and then he was saying that whatever location he was managing at the time, he was like, people from Houston, like Atlanta were coming in for this reunion. They were having golf outings out in Solon. And he was like, he was like, I've never seen anything like this. I said, you were minimizing, but this is a really big deal. Right. And like somebody not from here, like seeing that he's like this, he's like, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. Yeah. And we come it's... together a lot for each other and are so supportive. Right. And it's, and you love to see it. You love to see black people coming together and supporting each other. And that's what that's what we got to experience in Shaw, which a lot of people don't, you know, there are a lot of people who get to experience that, but in high school for free to experience that, it's very rare. Yeah, and to see like all of the success, like, you know, I'm sure it's people that counted us out, but when you look around, like uh, so many of our classmates are very, very successful yeah. and are making an impact, not just making money, but making an impact, you know, Right. You are a family medicine physician changing lives every day. So we have so many principals 
nurses, I mean, educators, like nonprofit directors, like it's astonishing just to see how much that we're changing lives. Right. The legacy of Shaw High School definitely lives within us, but that's one of the biggest things I say to my, you know, about mentoring. So I won this, I won a mentoring, excellence and mentoring award this year. And for whatever reason, I understood at a young age that the most important thing to do as a mentor is instill confidence into young people because they don't feel confident and they kind of feed off of your confidence. And I felt like that's what we had at Shaw High School. We had people literally build us up and friends literally build us up and be like, girl, you are fabulous. You know, so just to be able to have that kind of peer mentoring that we all did for each other, that support network from our teachers and everybody, you know, coaches, um, I'm trying to think who, there was just a bunch of people who didn't even teach us who were a part of our, a part of our network. Um, so it's just, it was really an amazing experience and it, and it still is. I mean, you know, being part of that Shaw High alumni is definitely, definitely a, something that probably was life-changing for me to be able to at 16 years old, have people just be like, girl, you are great and we're going to support you and we're going to, you know, get you all these scholarships to any school you want to go to and take you to go see them, you know? <laughs> all for free. Yes. Because I'm thinking, I like, I know we had a lot of transition with, uh, with principals, but at the same time, it's kind of like, the principals, like when I run into them, they still remember who I was. Like I wasn't even in their unit, but they were all so supportive and so invested in our education. And it wasn't the the mind frame, because you know, you see the jokes online about, I've got my education, go get yours. And that wasn't our experience. It's sure we had one or two rotten apples, but for the most part, they wanted to see us succeed. They right. wanted to make sure even there were stories about our former band director at Shaw and how he picked students up that, you know, had moved out of the district, but got a pass to continue to go and took them to school every day and picked them mm-hmm. up to make sure that wow. they would continue their education. And it's like, you don't get that everywhere. Right. And playing Shaw band, which is amazing. Like world yeah. famous has played in the Olympics at China has, you know, everybody, I mean, if you don't, if you've never heard of Shaw High Band, you look it up, okay? (laughs) 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 No, but it was definitely a really great experience. And I think that for me, like, because I will say like, so when I wrote my course, I talked about, you know, just some of the trauma that I've been through my life and talked about how that experience education at Heights was a traumatizing one. And I'll, I will also say that Heights actually did start the healing process for me because middle school was the problem, more of the problems that I had in my life and at school. But in ninth grade, they had, I don't know if they still do, but back then I went to alternative school in ninth grade. So I actually went to three different high schools. So in ninth grade at Heights, I went to Taylor Academy, which is an alternative school. So that kind of was, that kind of started the healing process for me of just having a better experience with high school, um, with Heights. And then I went to Heights High and then it was, you know, it was kind of 50-50, some trauma, some love. Um, but coming to Shaw where it was all love, that, you know, they say you can't pour from an empty cup, right? But we have people at Shaw pour so much love into us. And that's what you see us do in our communities. We go and pour love into other people. And I think that that's, if you see like all of us, you know, especially from our friend group, that's what we all do. We, we all have jobs and we go and love on, you know, and pour into people and try to uplift our community. And I just love that Shaw High School understood that. Like if we can make your high school experience 
great and make you great, then you'll make the community great, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, we're purposeful about giving back. And like you said, always having a mentee and just reaching back to make sure that people younger than us have the love and the support that we had because it's hard and you know we didn't have social media no I can't imagine being on social media as a teenager that is hard you know you're comparing yourself to everything it's just the drama and the chaos of it Mm -hmm. I'm grateful and that's contributed to a lot of the gun violence too the people arguing on Facebook on Instagram definitely has contributed to a lot of gun violence you know, yeah. so it's a, it's a whole, you know, world. And that's the thing, you know, like a lot of us wanted to stay in East Cleveland, but East Cleveland, it's a lot of corruption in East Cleveland. So we would have loved to pour as much love as we could into East Cleveland. We tried to do the best we can, but East Cleveland itself, like the Shaw High School was great. <laughs> but I remember, <laughs> we were in, I remember when we were in high school, like the mayor was going to jail for corruption and all this sort of stuff. So, Noir, yeah. And then yeah. now they're trying to like recall the current mayor. Um, there's also like eight police officers, including the chief under investigation as well. And it's unfortunate because it could be a great city. It definitely could be a great city because of that, because of Shaw High School, like where people could, could feel inspired to go and do a lot of community work, but it's just way too much corruption that happens there. So a lot of us have, you know, used, taken our talents and used them, you know, wherever we could in Cleveland and East Cleveland, for me in Cincinnati. But it is really still great to just have a place that we could all call home, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, I see some rebuilding. So um, hopefully they'll be rebuilding without the um, harmful impact of gentrification um, for the residents. Because, I mean, if they would just put a lot of people who graduated from Michelle High School in a lot of those positions, (laughs) they'll be better off. But I feel like they usually don't have people from East Cleveland running East Cleveland, you know? So that's problematic. Yeah, no, I remember I actually applied for a social work position and they did not hire me. I didn't even get a phone call. I was like, oh, uh-huh. okay. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting that way sometimes where people can, you know, just have inf- inferiority, you know, complexes, like designate inferiority into us because we graduated from Shaw High School and it's like, no, actually it's our superpower, you know? <laughs> like, yes, yes, absolutely. We are resilient. Yes. Um, we are resilient and we didn't let anything stop us from what we wanted to do and become a right. life. So. Yeah. And it just helps us. It helps us understand just a level of compassion and empathy because, you know, we're just like, we were just like hood kids, you know, we were yeah. kids from the hood. We were a little rough around the edges, but our teachers, they understood that and they tried to, and they really tried to just build confidence on us and build professionalism like Miss Morrison. Miss Morrison was one of my biggest mentors when we were in, when we were at Shaw High School. So she was a librarian um, and I was part of, uh, I was the president of Key Club, which is um, the Kiwanis organization for, for community service. So she used to, she took me to DC once. She drove me to DC. Um, she used to take us to Columbus and she would talk to us about like, you know, dressing professional and all that sort of stuff. So learn like, so, you know, just even like little skills like that. Like, okay, this is, this is how you, and I, I'm pretty sure she went to HBCU um, and she just would teach us like little, just little things like that. Like how to carry yourself in the world and how to hold your head up high and that sort of thing. And it was just really amazing. It was. I remember um, I'm actually Facebook friends with her, um, Dr. Hawthorne Clay, and she was like one of our guidance counselors and just really supportive. Um, 
uh, after like my mom died and she was just always just just checking on me you know what mm-hmm. I mean just yeah. getting the pulse just to see and that was really important and she was just like um you know she told me like it's okay to grieve you know just don't sit there and you're gonna do great things mm-hmm. so just to have somebody just to pour that into you just to do a check on you just to see you know although she was like you're doing okay I just want to see how you're doing because like you said you could be anxious and depressed and still very high performing and, you know, but you can have a lot of other things going on in our, in your mind. And that's why I love and I respect our friend group. Right. Cause yes, we do our funny memes and we have our phenomenal trips, whether they're in the country or out of the country, mm-hmm. but we also just do like pulse check-ins like, Hey, like it's Wednesday. How y'all feeling? You know, right. um, how are things going? How's work? You know, whatever and um I'm just grateful for that like it's no it's not transactional it's not you know I'm checking on you because I want this it's just like genuine love friendship and sisterhood that we're just able to check on each other and just say hey how you doing or how can I support you right and I think that that basis of friendship really helps um just in a lot of different areas in our life uh because for us, by being good friends to each other and being good to each other, it it definitely makes a lot of us think about people who are not good to you or situations that are not good for you. Um, because I think a lot of people have friends or family and all types of people who really are not good to them and they don't know any different, yeah. you know? And so I remember, <laughs> I remember like in 2017, I had a couple of experiences of people just being kind of like jealous and just saying like, kind of like weird things, like, I don't know, just kind of like user type of people. So it was something I talked with Rochelle um, on one of my podcasts back like a little bit closer to that time. And I was just telling her, you know, there are givers and there are takers in the world. And I just had kind of like some taker experiences with um, people who were trying to be my friend. But as soon as it happened, I was just like, "Um, yeah, we're not going to be friends anymore because I'm an Aries. And I will tell you, yeah, we're not going to be friends anymore. You know? <laughs> but they were just like shocked because you know it's a level of accountability to tell somebody that like yeah that's not cool and we're not gonna be friends anymore and people just aren't used to that and for me no. like why I felt empowered to do that is because like I don't need I don't need to beg for friends and I don't need to have people take from me and treat me in a certain way and I'm like because I actually have real friends who are good to me you know <laughs> like, right <laughs> right and yes. it's a blessing because we don't count favors we're on a trip and we're just like you know, it's just, it's effortless right. and it's, it's difficult because like you said, you don't, I mean, we love and definitely respect because you made it out the trenches to be Dr. Shomo, yeah. but you are Anissa to us. Right. So you are not like, we're not like, well, Anissa got money and you know, do we don't look for you. We just want to hang out. Right. You know? Exactly. And we'll go to a fancy restaurant and pay $800 a plate, or we will go to Chipotle and get some bowls. Like, it doesn't matter. Right. You know, we'll just, like, as long as we're hanging out, spending some time, and the food is good, we don't really care what we do. Right, exactly. And and it's just because we've known each other since we were teenagers, and it's, like I said, it's, it's just rare to have that level of connection because I know plenty of people who've known people from the time they were 16 but they can't relate to them they can't relate to those friends anymore because they've outgrown a lot of those spaces and it's really amazing to have so many like black women sisters that y'all are to grow together you know to grow up together and to improve and to hold each other accountable and all that sort of stuff you know because for me 
like the 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 hardest thing about getting to this place where I am is that I, nobody in my family has ever done that, right? But then the other pieces, if they did, times are different. So my father, I'm not a first generation college graduate. My father graduated from Kent State University, and unfortunately, when he graduated in the '70s, there were not you know a lot of job options for him because of racism. Um, so my dad, when we were young, when they were starting up the bakery, um, my dad worked for University Hospital cleaning, cleaning the hospital and, and supervising the hospital. And so, you know, and it's just different because like they're from a mentality of work. You know, you try to even though you're, you know, even though that was some BS, you still got to live and support your family. Um, but they don't really have to, you know, so he navigated the corporate world a little bit. But he didn't navigate in the same way that I did to give me any kind of advice about how to navigate. I remember even in high school, like he couldn't even tell me how to like apply for college because he doesn't he didn't he didn't really have to do anything. Like somebody was just like, hey, you smart enough to go to college. You want to go to college. And then he went to college, you know, but we actually had a lot of stuff to navigate. We had to take ACT. We had to take SAT. We had to, you know, go on college tours. We had to do the FAFSA. So definitely we needed that support from Shaw High School to get to those places. But then once we got to those places, our parents and our family really couldn't help us that much with like how to navigate. So when we all went to college, you know, the same years, we, you know, we had a lot of great conversations with each other, trying to navigate, you know, college and what is this world? Um, now that we're here and now they're allowing us to even be pre-med, you know, what does that look like? And what kind of, what kind of things do I need to avoid? What kind of, you know, what are the pitfalls? Like, what do I need to look out for? Um, what do I need to do to be successful? Uh, definitely our fan group was really helpful in those times. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's like that carried on like those, some of the barriers we faced during college that carried on into the workplace now, because now, you know, we face the microaggressions and some of the other things that were, you know, some of the discrimination, the kind of, you know, kind of, you know, they say things about our names or our hair and things like that. And we can politely address those things. But in our friend group, we have the safe space to be like, girl, this is some bull. Let me tell you how this, you know. Um, Or even quit because Shauna talked about, I think the first episode we did, she talked about how she quit working at a bank because it was just too many microaggressions. And then people were trying to take it to a place of, you know, workplace bullying and harassment. And she was like, yeah, I got to get up out of here. And she went and worked at, you know, clothing store folding clothes and I'm like well girl you gotta do what you gotta do you know like I wasn't like well watch give up that not good job you girl you know so I just love that we can understand it was like I can relate <laughs> yes but that's a generational thing because had that been our parents they would have been like oh my god why would you quit that job just deal with it just do this and it's kind of like I remember her working but she worked because I worked in one of the partner stores you know um and I was just like and I'm all about people protecting their peace. Right. And you have to do what you got to do. And sometimes having a job in a break like that where you just show up, you don't have to answer emails all night. You're not attached to a phone. I mean, sometimes you need that to just kind of process because we've been literally go, 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 go. We didn't take breaks from school. We didn't do any of that. We just went straight through and did this. I mean, we've gone back and got other certifications and degrees, right. and so, but we went straight through and went right into work. So we never had the time to like stop and chill and do that. So I was like, oh, or even even think about if you if this is what you really want to do, you know, because yeah. 
that's conversations that I've had on this podcast too, where it's like, sometimes you contemplate like, like Dr. Shomo knows I haven't really been doing that because when the pandemic happened, I was like, yeah, I don't want to talk about any kind of health information unless I'm at work. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm moving over to trauma and coping. Let's do some yeah. health and love in here. Let's do some, you know, talk more about that kind of stuff. And I, I will say that like, you know, part of, you know, our friendship definitely helps me cope better. And we give each other examples of coping We and we, and we just listen to each other. And we just like, my favorite thing about our group is that we just accept people for who they are. Cause we're all very different. We're, we all look different. We all think different. We a lot of us have different jobs. I, was, I, I, I think a lot of us are in the service industry where we help people. Um, but I think that most of us, most of our jobs are a little bit different. Um, so it's just, uh, for me, I love the acceptance that we have for each other. Like for me, that's the hardest thing about family right now is that I feel like with, and that's why I've been like hanging with y'all mostly. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? When I hang out with my friends, I feel really good. They make me feel really good because they accept me for who I am. They love who I am. They love Dr. Shomo. They love, you know, everything. They love the fashions. They love just me as a person who I am at 38 years old. I feel like sometimes in your family, people have this idea of who you are. And then they sometimes feel like, oh, well, she thinks she's better than somebody and that sort of thing. And it's just like, no, that's how you feel. You know? <laughs> Let's but, unpack that. Because like, yeah, it's not me. It it's hard at times where people kind of project things onto you or they just can't understand, you know, that sort of thing. Like, it's just, it's just very weird to me. It's been becoming, like, family for me has just become really, really difficult, especially the past five years. And I think that a lot of it has been because I, like five years ago, before I got diagnosed with cancer, I used to be on progesterone. So I talked about this uh, a couple of episodes ago. I used to be on birth control. And when I was on birth control for those seven years, I was much, much more of a people pleaser. And I saw some of the, you know, daggers and the signs from my family of like haterism, you know, that kind of stuff. And I saw some of it, but I was kind of like still in that people pleasing mode where I just didn't cut off those relationships and have better boundaries then. Uh, fortunately, my older sister, um, who actually, she's a nurse practitioner and she started out geriatrics. So I think she's doing a little bit of both. So she's geriatrics, but she went back and got her psych nurse practitioner certification. But she's from a young age has always kind of been my coach of like, don't feed into the drama, you know, that sort of thing. And a lot of us have gone through therapy and that sort of thing now to be able to communicate, you know, a lot of the language like boundaries and, you know, drama and a drama triangle and all that sort of stuff. So we have more of the language now, but I remember my sister before she was even 30, when I was young, she, she, cause you know, one of the most difficult relationships that I have in my family is my mother. My mother is very emotionally abusive. And so, you know, I was around her at some point when I was out of high school, like in college, and she was being on her emotional, abusive bullshit, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> and so my sister, who's dealt with it a lot longer than me, was just like, you know, don't, don't feed into it, that sort of thing. So she's always been that person to kind of give me a, a better way, because I think a lot, we learn a lot of that emotionally abusive relation, you know, kind of things in our family. And like I said, internally, we, some we, we still have those hormones that may want us to try to try to change everybody and and you know be flexible and all that sort of thing um, within us to try to you know just work through it. But I've seen my two oldest sisters, um, Kay and Carla, both kind of take some space from our family and and even just tell people like, yeah, I can't be involved in that drama. I need to take some space. It's not good for my health. 
And so having my two oldest sisters model that and then being off of that progesterone um, definitely has helped me like not be in that people pleasing phase. And I definitely can notice the difference between hanging out with you all as my friends and with some of my family and old friends who are haters, you know, and I'm just like, oh, okay, I feel a lot better hanging out with my friends because they love me, they respect me, they appreciate me versus sometimes when I'm with my family, it's like little comments under the breath, it's little digs and that sort of thing. And I'm just like, guess what? I'm just not going to be around. Like, I don't have the time or the patience for your insecurities. You know? <laughs> and I think with family, it's a different, like, it's almost like an expectation right? for you to do certain things for them or do anything because you're you're the person that made it um and I've seen something online that said basically like a, a black person making $125,000 is way different than a white person making $125,000 because black families expect you to take the burdens of everyone else whether they be financially emotionally physically it's kind of like it's that we're family and you have right. to deal with it in like our generation going through trauma therapy and just learning boundaries we're like no 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 we don't have to deal with that like i love you and i respect you you know i'll give you a kidney if you needed it but guess what you're not gonna stay in my spare bedroom exactly. <laughs> like, yeah like, <laughs> and that's that's exactly what it is because when you're with your friends you know especially like i said when you're with good friends who are, who are, especially, I feel like we just have a, a friend group of givers, you know, that's what it really mm -hmm. is. We have a friend group of givers and not so much takers. Um, so when you have a friend group like that, you definitely notice the difference and there's not as much expectations because with my family, it will be expectations of like, oh, if we're going to dinner, then somebody's not, then Dr. Shomo, Dr. Pulliam, my husband, they gonna pay for it, you know? And that's fine. Like, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it definitely makes you not want to go to a whole lot of dinners, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, because, like, I got to spend, you know, $1,500 every time I see y'all, you know? Right. Like, anybody ever going to treat me to dinner? You know? Right. Hey. So that's my older sisters. It's, it's different. And my family is different. Like, I would say most people in my family are not like that. It's very rare because I do have a very prideful working class family where that's not generally the case that people do expect that. Um but people just have a lot of, I feel like more than anything, it's the expectation. I feel what I feel like dealing with, like I said, with an emotionally abusive mother. And I feel like some of my, some other people in my family can be emotionally abusive at times. They, they're very controlling, you know, and I feel that they're trying to control my thoughts. You know? <laughs> like, so, so like, I think, I think like a professional, I behave like a professional, I move like a professional. So there may be times when I'm like, yeah, I'm not about to do that. I'm professional. Um, and they might be, you know, they might be like, uh, you know, so yeah. it's, it's like, but when I'm with y'all, that's okay. They're like, oh, okay, right. you're a professional. We professionals, whatever. And it's, and it's not even that, you know, because it's not like people in my family are not, are unprofessional. Right. <laughs> and if they moving crazy, and if right. they moving crazy, it's just more that I sometimes feel like no matter what I do or say, people want to have something to say about it. Like yeah. just making little comments under their breath, like, mm, mm, mm. you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is that and about? You know, it's like, and it's just the comfort level. And it's hard when, um, 
you know, you've had the same experience and the same DNA as somebody else and they haven't made it to the level that you are, you have gotten to. And that causes a lot of rifts in families, no matter who the family is, because it's some type of resentment there. And I'm not saying that with your family, but in general, it's like some type of resentment because. No, there definitely is in my family and a lot of families because, and and it's, for me, it's like, you know, it's just a weird thing because and it's because it's, what's funny about it is I feel like sometimes people feel like I'm being judgmental when they don't realize that they're the ones being judgmental because I'm just being myself. I'm allowing you to be yourself. But every time I say anything from the perspective of my brain and how my brain thinks, you got something to say about it. And it's a problem, you know, but cousin Tim could say it and it wouldn't be a problem. Right. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like people can be controlling and they're trying to, you know, control my thoughts like well can't you just not talk like a doctor and it's just like I've talked like I've literally talked like this since I was a teenager you know <laughs> literally the person that I am right now at 38 years old is the same person I've been since I was 16 yeah and so but the the now the context is different when I was 16 and I talked like this it was just like oh that's just Anissa but now it's like when I'm 38 and I'm talking like this it was like oh just stop stop being a doctor so much and it's just like I'm literally just being myself, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I hear that a lot from my uh, people. I don't need therapy. I'm not giving you therapy right now because if I gave you therapy, the tone of this conversation would be completely different. Exactly. So I think that, you know, for me, it's like people don't realize it. Like that's coming from you. That's, That's your perspective on who you think I should be. It doesn't have anything to do with who I am as a person because I've been the same person since I was know probably even younger than 16 but definitely I remember at 16 telling my father that you know my mom not being around and being the way that she was my younger siblings were acting out a lot and I told my dad you need to consider taking them to therapy because they are not okay I said that to my father at 16 years old 16 and so I'm just like you know for a lot of people they don't understand they're like oh you talk and you act like that and you behave like that because you're a doctor and sometimes you need to turn it off and it's just like how do you turn off your personality Right. Like my I've personality been the is life. the reason I'm a doctor. Exactly. You know, <laughs> so it can be frustrating for that kind of thing at times. But what's great is having friends who y'all have been there this whole time and y'all have gone through the same level of just maturity that we've all gone through. You know, we've all had a lot of experiences as professionals that we grow and mature and we and we learn how to navigate the world, you know, in a different way. And it's just, you know, piggybacking off of the family comments, I hear them sometimes from cousins, especially I'm not close to. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you're so spoiled and you had it so easy. And I'm just like, do you not know my mother died like suddenly when I was 10 years old? Like, and at 10, I also became the caregiver to my maternal grandmother. Like, meanwhile, they're older than me. They're 40s and 50s, and both their parents are still alive and well. And all of the things that you've gone through, you've cost yourself. Like, nobody told you to, you know, have a baby by somebody that wasn't supportive. Then went to jail. Like, all of these things that you've gone through, like, you've literally caused, but you're sitting here calling me. I'm spoiled and I'm bougie and I've had everything given to me. I'm like, I was not aware that I just gave away college degrees. To <laughs> right. the, poor black, the poor black people that got Pell Grants. I'm confused. Where, where, like, you know where they do this? Sign me up. I'll pay. <laughs> like, right. It's, uh, that's the just, whole thing. Like, people just don't understand. Like, 
how hard we had to work. And that's, that's the biggest thing. Like people literally do think that, oh, you know, like I've always been kind of the golden child in my family, but I wasn't the only golden child because my parents had a bakery. So my sister, you know, Bina, who's been on the show, she definitely, you know, she had a completely different experience than I did because our family was different at the time, but they pour a lot of time and investment into her, try to trying to help her be, you know, really good at making cakes like she is. And I've always said that I never have tried to dim her light and she doesn't try to dim my light. And it's like, you can, you can have all, all the golden children in the family, all, all the golden children in the family that you want. For me, what I had to learn was just how to navigate my family. And that's because I'm smart. So being that I'm, I was 14 years old, when I just was like, you know, I've always been smart my whole life and just intuitive about just how life works. So for me, it's like people talk about <laughs> my husband, Robert, and I were talking about this. Um, we were talking about how, like, when we were young, people used to always say that we were book smart, but not street smart. But I said, I was I've been street smart enough to never have been arrested before and never have been to jail. And to me, I'm just like, because I understand survival. So a lot of times people will say, you know, they talk about street smarts and this sort of stuff. And they talk about doing stuff and not getting caught. But for me, it was more like, just don't do stuff to get caught. You know, (laughs) (laughs) avoid it, anything. You know, I I tried as much as I could to avoid illegal things, illegal activity. And I just, and people who do illegal activity, I try to stay away from it. Like to me, that's being street smart is just trying to figure out how to survive in a way that will not land you in jail. And I, that's what's hard for a lot of families is like, you know, so so for me, like for them, that's survival. And they they try to figure out ways to survive and that sort of thing. But from a young age, I understood that there was a different way to survive. You know, there's a different way to survive. Like, um, and so it's just one of those things for me. Like I've always been, I've always just been really intuitive about like, okay, well, if I do X, Y, Z, then I can survive in this way. I've never really you know, tie my survival to just all types of stuff that people tie, tie survival to. Like people may think that if they get pregnant by a certain person, that they can have a come up and that sort of thing. And I've, that's just never been on my radar to try to survive in that way. I always knew that I could do it on my own. But part of it was just in my, that's, that's not really what happened with my mom, but my dad supported my mom. And when my parents got divorced um, and my mom worked, you know, my parents had a business together. When my parents got divorced, like, all of it just really went downhill and neither one of them really had anything. My mom or my dad, my dad had my dad, uh, you know, I love my dad, but I felt like when they, my parents separated and got divorced, it could have been a little bit different. Um, but my dad, so my mom lost everything before my dad, but my dad lost everything too, you know? And so for me and my life and my relationship, what I've always wanted to create for myself was stability and peace. To me, that's what survival looked like. Yes. And I agree with you. And that's why you are so good with your finances, because you always want it to be stable. And that's one thing I admire about our friend group, too. Like, we are very conscientious about the moves that we make. We talk about retirement. We talk about these loans. You know, we are very fiscally sound in that way. Um, But like you said, that's part of survival and it's part of making smart decisions as to not, you know, and being future oriented as well yes and that's one of those things like if i hang with this friend group of people that aren't going to school that are making bad decisions how far is that going to affect me later on in life 
And, you know, when you're younger, you know, my grandma will always say that, like, you got to pick your friends wisely. Some of my aunts will say that. And it never really clicked to me because I always had good friends. Right. And I'm aware that that's not always the case. And I know now, being 38, how much of a blessing that is. Right. Because your friends will literally be your demise. You know, before right. I finished grad school, I'm like, oh, I'm the only one around here without a master's. Let me get my life together. You know, it's like, <laughs> like no, that's what I tell people. Like, people literally don't don't understand. Like, people be like, oh, you went to Shaw? And it's like, yeah, I went to Shaw. Like, all my friends have advanced degrees, and we all out here killing the game, like just on our own, independent women. Like, you know, a lot of some of us are married, some of us are partnered, but we we have gone out here and got it for ourselves. You know, yeah. And not that you shouldn't, you know, because I like you know, Robert and I have been on here before. It's not necessarily that you have to do everything your own, but you have to have respect in a relationship. And I feel like a lot of relationships in friendship and family and in marriages are not built on respect there. Like you said, it's, it's a lot of transactional things yep. that happen. And so I say that we're independent and that our relationships are partners our romantic relationships are not built on transactions it's like you can be here you can not because I don't I, I, I'm good either way because uh, you're here because you I love you like, yeah exactly you know so I just have never really had to deal with and that's that's what I'm saying like I just have understood I understood that lesson in survival my parents got divorced when I was 12 so I understood 12 14 that I couldn't I couldn't depend on anybody in that way and it's, it's kind of like a trusting too like I will never trust anybody the way that my parents trusted each other because it led to the destruction of our family in that way. Like it, it just, it just took us to a whole other place that we should, we didn't need to be, you know? So for, and obviously, you know, it worked out and it was, it's been okay, but a lot of my siblings have a lot of trauma from that. And, mm -hmm. you know, so it's just, it's one of those things for me, like I wanted to create stability and as little trauma in my life as possible, you know? And so for me, I was just like, all right, well, that's why a lot of women end up, in, you know, stay in abusive relationships because they don't have the money to leave. Yeah. So for me, it was important to always make sure I had, if even if I was going to have a baby and not work to have savings, whereas if my spouse was going to decide to all of a sudden be on some BS, I got money to leave, you know? Yeah. It was really important to me to build that kind of life, you know? And that's the thing too. And it's not even just your spouse being on BS. Unfortunately, you know, your spouse could pass away. Right. Your spouse can be sick. And even with looking at like an illness, well, if you get disability, that's a third or a half of your income that you were used to having coming in. So it's right. kind of like you have to be prepared for whatever something can happen where that your spouse can't perform their job that they've gone to school to do right. so you know you always have to be prepared for that and like you said you have to make sure that you are future oriented yes you live for today but you have to learn and save like you're going to live forever because if right. you don't when things happen you'll be you know in a tough situation exactly and that is a lot of people's problems there they don't it's it's they're not future oriented and they think that things can't happen to them, you know? And they're like, Oh, cause I got like, so we were talking before and that's when I talked about just anxiety. I'm like, I've always been had like a healthy amount of anxiety. Sometimes every once in a while it gets a little out of hand. Um, but for the most part, part of me being survival oriented, is always having a healthy suspicion, healthy amount of anxiety of being like, I don't like where this looks like it's going. I'm going to stay away from that. Um, I don't like, you know, I don't like the looks of this, like, let me avoid this. Um, so it's just, 
for a lot of people, they will, and there's been times I've been in risky situations, but for me, I just try to avoid being in a lot of risky situations. Like, um, I see something could become a little risky. I'm going to remove myself and leave. Um, for the most part, like, obviously it's, it's hard sometimes like you drink and that sort of thing. And your, and your, your inhibitions are not as high as they would be if you weren't. Um, but for the most part, if I'm, uh, I try not to drink a whole lot, so I'm not disinhibited in that way. And so it's just, you know, for me, it's just like, I've just been that way since I was young. Like, yeah, this doesn't look like a good situation. Let me leave. You know? yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and that's where having a good support system comes in. Because like you said, you could be having a long day. You'd be like, girl, I need a margarita or two. And I'm like, well, girl, go ahead. I had an easy week. So you have as many. I have one margarita. You have as many as you want to. Yeah. But if you have a good support system, you know what I mean? It's kind of like. If I see something that's not right, I'm like, girl, I'm about to pay this tab and we're going to leave. You right. know what I mean? But that's exactly. where, it comes, you know, that's where your friends reel you in because sometimes you can't be on your A game 24 hours a day, seven days right. a week. So you let you're here now. Exactly. And, and it's just, and you know, when you have the respect with your friend groups, people should be able to give you feedback. Because I remember yeah. there was a time like, I don't know, the hard thing about being a doctor is that we don't get to go out and do stuff a lot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So when you go out, you might, you might overdo it a little bit. So I, but this was when I was younger. So I don't do it as much. Um, but I remember my friend telling me this, like, uh, we went to New Orleans for, <laughs> for a bowl game and it was like New Year's Eve and I was, I was too drunk, you know? And she was just like, that was a little risky. She was just like, I could never do that. Cause she was like, cause I'm a single woman and I'm not used to being, I'm like, I'm usually out by myself. So I don't usually get a, you know, pretty drunk. She's like, but you need to watch that and pay attention. Cause she was like, it was people out there trying to kidnap you, you know? <laughs> you know, so when there is respect there, people should be able, you know, when you have good friends, they should be able to, you know, reel you in too. Like, okay. I said, you know, have a little fun, but it was a little, you were a little disinhibited a little too much and I was a little worried because I didn't know if I could carry you uh, right. home and people was trying to kidnap you you know <laughs> you're so friendly you should I like hey kidnapper but that's why it's important to have you know good friends who and people who are like you who have that healthy amount of anxiety who noticed that she actually absolutely was like yeah unsafe i don't know what the sex trafficking numbers are like in new orleans but it was not a safe situation please do not drink that much tonight you know (laughs) (laughs) i was like duly noted thank you friend you know so that's what i love about so many friends that i have made that was a friend from college so so many friends that i made just over the years like been able to have that love and respect be able to give and receive feedback um and just you know just have so much uh, just genuine love without any, without any, without really any expectations of other, anything else other than genuine love. Yeah. And it's good because we get to bounce ideas off of each other and support each other. Because I know when you're talking about Shauna, like, you know, quit her wonderful job. I say wonderful, being, you know, <laughs> well paid, well paying job. Well paid job. <laughs> And went to Ann Taylor and I'm like, I felt that because I remember I was working in a local government agency. I won't say the name, but it was a disaster. And I was like, I had tried so hard to get into this government organization because, you know, there's the benefits. Usually the benefits are good, good, but I was like, this is a disaster. And I worked there 
prior, I had worked there before when I was in college, and it was a disaster. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm in a different role. I graduated from college now. Would it be a little different? It was still a disaster. And I went and got a job in management at the bank because I was like, mm -mm, nope. You know, I just needed that time to um, just decompress. And I know, like, even, like, banking and retail and working with small businesses can be stressful. It was a different level of stress because I was able to help people. Right. And you and I are both advocates. And I feel like in that role, I wasn't able to effectively help people. And I'm like, right. what am I doing here if I can't help them? If I'm just putting a Band-Aid on a situation, um, if I can't help my clients grow or if I'm not managing a program that I can help them grow, I don't, that's not the type of work that I want to do. So right. I was like, I took my stand. I kept my license active and then eventually I went back. But, you know, when you're advocating, you, of course, you are too. You advocate for your patients all the time. It's just, you want to make a difference. Right. It's like, what and am I, I doing this for? I'm not helping anybody. Right. And it's hard because a lot of people take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we have a pure open heart and people can sense that in us. Um, yeah. People gravitate toward us. Um, like people often tell me all types of stuff that they don't tell other people because they can tell that I'm actively listening to them and I'm not judging them. And that, that I'm a wise person. Like I like, that's the whole thing about being a doctor is and being a social worker and a therapist, all this sort of thing. Like you're kind of naturally wise. We are having such a great conversation and I wanted to break it up because I know that people don't have all day to be listening to these podcasts. So we are going to stop it right here and check out part two. Self-love Saturday, help live with love. Self-love Saturday, breaking cycles, we rebels. Self-love Saturday, help live with love. Self-love Saturday, breaking cycles, we rebels.